0: Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This
1: Joe, uh, the Goombas are dancing again.
0: Uh, Stupid. <sighs> Stupid. Where, where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, this is a movie soundtrack podcast where uh, movie fans and music fans come together and have a rocking good time talking about all their favorite movie soundtracks. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, what is shaken?
1: Oh, I am so excited about tonight. This is great. What's shaken is all those Goombas who are dancing.
0: I know, they are getting down and boogieing because who doesn't love dancing?
1: Everybody loves to dance. Yeah,
0: it's fun. Uh, so yeah, tonight on the show we are discussing uh, one of the more, I want to say underrated films of the 1990s.
1: Well, polarizing, I think, is another good way to put it. People either, like, hate this movie, including basically everyone who was in it, um, hated it. Or they think it's the greatest movie and y'all should shut up because it's amazing and
0: underrated. Yes. Tonight we're discussing uh, 1993's Super Mario Brothers. Uh, This is a film that is, like you said, very polarizing. People will fight you in the streets (laughs) if you say a bad word about Super Mario Brothers. And, And I'm one of them. And... I'm, I'm of two minds of this film, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I am going to try very hard to not pick a fight tonight because I know people will come out swinging at me if I say I'm
1: on your side, everyone. If
0: I say anything untoward about Super Mario Brothers, just go ahead and you know lay me out flat because it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what a world we live in.
0: What what. 2019, if you had told me that 26 years later people would, A, still be talking about this movie, and B, defending it with their lives, I would have thought you were crazy. But here we are.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things in this movie that if you had told us were going to come true, we'd be like, nah. Oh, but
0: yeah. Here we are. Of all the movies of 1993, I feel like this is the one that was most prescient. and that is the saddest thing i will say all night
1: yeah that's really depressing
0: (laughs) oh good lord uh but before we get there uh we do have to discuss uh our last episode my fellow americans uh we've got two polls that we conducted for this movie um i hope somebody out there picked up my fellow americans because of that episode because uh that was all about us trying to get our friends into this movie about old people
1: so if uh, if you did, please let us know at OST Party on Twitter. You know if you uh, if you picked it up again, it was funny because I was talking to people about it, and they're like, "Oh my god, I remember that movie!" Like everyone I talked to remembered seeing it, mm-hmm. so and had fond memories of it. So oh, I'm good. glad to hear that. That's yeah.
0: good. Uh, but so our we have two polls. The first poll, of course, we had to ask. Uh, which president had the best Hail to the Chief song? Was it uh, Kramer, was it President Kramer with Hail to the Chief, He's the Chief and He Needs Hailing? Or was it President Douglas, Hail to the Chief, If You Don't, I'll Have to Kill You? And with 71% of the vote, y'all sided with Jack Lemon. Hail to the Chief, He's the Chief and He Needs Hailing.
1: That's the most fun one to sing.
0: It is. It really is. <laughs> So that's that's all well and good. Um, right. Then the actual poll for the soundtrack, um, we asked, what was the best song on the My Fellow Americans soundtrack? And surprisingly, surprising me at least, uh, with 63% of the vote, Presidential Booty won that I poll. I
1: know. That might be the surpri- most surprising answer that we've had in all of these episodes that we've done.
0: Oh, 100%. Considering that uh, Ella Fitzgerald's Don't Be That Way only got 25% of the vote. Ouch. And the Macarena got 13% of the vote, while Life is So Peculiar got absolutely zero.
1: Okay. Whoever voted for the Macarena, show yourselves. Show
0: yourselves. (laughs) Fight us. I dare you.
1: Yeah, somebody needs a spanking, and not like a good kind.
0: Yeah, like a presidential booty type spanking. Let's not go there. How about that?
1: (laughs) You know who you are. (laughs)
0: Huh. Oh, man. So, Libby, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Super Mario Bros. This was your pick, by the way. So yes, it why, was. what about Super Mario Brothers drew you to wanting to discuss it?
1: This was the first film that I saw in theaters alone. I grew up down the street from a one-screen movie theater called the Park Theater. It is still in operation. And this was playing... Uh, one weekend and my friend Trista and I went, it was, I was 10 years old and I was allowed to go to the movies by myself. And so I just felt very, very, very cool. So this one has a real special place in my heart just for that. But I also really, really, really love the soundtrack. Um, I still listen to a lot of the stuff on this one, at least on the A side. And uh, I actually lobbied for one of the songs on here to be played at my wedding. It was vetoed. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow. and i actually i had this on cassette and i have it on cd it was not released on vinyl get it for a record store uh vinyl a record store day vinyl re-release you fucking cowards super <laughs> mario brothers soundtrack
0: let's make it happen let's make this the podcast where that finally happens yes uh
1: so what's your what's your memory of this did you see this when it came out oh
0: absolutely i did Uh, As any seven-year-old boy who was interested in video games, I had to see the Super Mario Brothers movie. And uh, this was maybe the last time my family took my advice on anything for at least a decade. Because because I insisted that we go take my dad to see this for his birthday. (laughs) And indeed we did. And I remember him walking out of the theater very angry and uh, the family as a whole not discussing this movie at all for, like I said, at least a decade.
1: Wow, it's not that bad.
0: It was rough, and I didn't actually—I re- literally did not rediscover it until I moved, went off to college, and was able to buy my own DVDs.
1: <laughs> I do have this on DVD, so um I couldn't find it at first. I'm like, please tell me I didn't get. And I was like, there it was. <laughs> I was very, I was very pleased to find that I did have it, and uh, it has. No extra features,
0: <laughs> <laughs> not at one. I, I don't know about your, but your DVD. But on my TV, it didn't even fit the entire screen. No, it's just a, it was just, it's just a shitty DVD.
1: Yeah, and it plays like the Super Mario Brothers theme mm-hmm. in all of its MIDI glory.
0: And you know, this is one of those movies like it wasn't produced by Disney, but it was distributed by Disney through their Hollywood Pictures banner
1: which mm-hmm. it, which is
0: the studio that they use when they have movies that they don't know what the fuck to do with.
1: Yeah. So uh, so what I'm
0: saying is, Disney, hey. release a 4K you ultra, ultra HD disc of this, you fucking cowards.
1: Yeah, release a uh, brand new live action version of this film with live action dinosaurs. You know you can do
0: it. Bring back Johnny Legs, and we'll have a great time. Uh, so real quick, billboarding school, there's not a whole lot to tell, but uh, this soundtrack came out, May tenth, nineteen ninety three, a couple weeks before the movie opened. This the week this soundtrack came out. The number one album in America was the soundtrack to the Bodyguard, Ooh. which had been number one for twenty straight weeks. The Bodyguard, by the way, is the fifth best selling album oh. of oh. all time. Jesus. So uh, that also is is another factor in why Super Mario Brothers kind of came and went. Is because it got overshadowed by the fucking Bodyguard. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was released in a weird, a weird period. Yeah, not and and because it was released in late May, it's not quite a tentpole. It didn't get the the March Kiss of Death. Yeah, but they did sort of, you know, it, they didn't open it against Jurassic Park, which was a smart move. But it was sort of, it was kind of doomed from the start.
0: So this came out basically at the same time as Jurassic Park, and absolutely got overwhelmed by it. The best comparison I can make is how the weird al movie UHF came out in the summer of 1989 which was like the same summer as like Batman and Indiana Jones and Lethal Weapon and like a bunch of huge ass movies and just everyone forgot about it.
1: Yeah. Which is too bad. That's a great soundtrack we should do sometime.
0: I would love to. I really would.
1: Tell me about how this film did because this film is notorious.
0: Yes. This film is uh Well, do you want me to talk about, like, the production or, like, box office or what?
1: Box office. Okay.
0: So this movie cost $48 million to produce. It went massively over budget, over schedule, over budget on everything. Opened at the box office, I think it was, like, the week or the month before Jurassic Park came out. Mm -hmm. And as such, it did $21 million at the (laughs) box office and then disappeared (laughs) forever. (laughs) So this movie was very much a flop in pretty much uh, all all sane metrics.
1: Yes, well,
0: this is one of those movies where the production is, I would say, better and more interesting than the film if the film weren't so interesting already. Yeah, but the production is actually kind of fascinating, and it's been it's been chronicled. Uh, better by other people. Uh, there's a website called the Super Mario Brothers Archive that does nothing but chronicle st- uh, stuff and like production history from this movie. Um,
1: that's insane. And I
0: do I know for a fact, if you say anything about this movie on Twitter, they will retweet it.
1: All right. so oh, That's good. That's good to know. We'll, we'll put that in our show notes as well.
0: We're counting on you guys. Hint, hint.
1: Please.
0: But uh, once again, I'm going to bring it up. So, if you're playing the drinking game, the OST party drinking game along with us, go ahead and drink. This film was produced in North Carolina, in Wilmington.
1: So, Dino, Dino Hatton is real, is what you're saying. Dino
0: Hatton is real, and it's Wilmington, and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Wilmington is basically a swamp, so yeah. Oh, but God. uh Yeah,
1: that's what, the third movie that's uh, been produced in your neck of the woods?
0: Yeah, The Crow and... Uh,
1: my fellow Americans. My fellow
0: Americans and uh, Super Mario Brothers. Fun fact the, the Dino Hatton set, that's like this weird like electric grid mishmash of New York City, was built in a cement factory, which is actually the same cement factory that we saw in The Crow as T Money's nightclub, where, the, where My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult played. Exact same. This is
1: amazing. (laughs) Oh my god. That brings me so much joy.
0: So once they got rid of Dino Hatton, they they brought in my life with the Thrill Kill Cult for The Crow.
1: I feel like my life with the Thrill Kill Cult could play in Dino Hatton.
0: They they would fit right in, wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, they should have just left the set up.
0: The, The Dino Hatton really is like a live action version of The Cool World.
1: Yes, and actually I realized that as I'm watching this on um, when he falls into and uh Mario played by Bob Hoskins, who's a fucking legend, when he falls in, it's very much like that same effect as when uh, Gabriel Byrne, yeah, uh, whose name I'm blanking on, falls into the cool world yeah, yeah um and I realize that I've now picked two films where people cross over from the regular world into this sort of foreboding kind of forbidden zone like place
0: to chase after a girl. Yes.
1: Yeah. And that, that must've done something weird to me that I just haven't accessed. (laughs) And I'm sure at some point my therapist will crack it loose.
0: (laughs) Well, that's what we're here for tonight. That's what I'm yes. here for tonight, Libby. I'm here to help you access that inner part of yourself that is that only is... unlocked by Super Mario Brothers.
1: And cool world. And
0: cool world. So.
1: But yeah, that's like that's a really hyper specific Libby genre that we have.
0: Yeah, we've like, like dudes
1: leave crappy cities to go to crappier cities.
0: It's like that and road trip comedies. What is it with those two things?
1: I know. That's all that is that's our brand at this point. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much our accidental brand.
0: Our accidental brand. That's that's beautiful. That's <laughs> absolutely beautiful. But yeah, so famously most if not all of the cast hated working on this movie. Like John Leguizamo, you know, sa- has said that the only way he and Bob Hoskins got through that movie was by getting absolute shit-faced drunk on set. And I kind of believe it cuz you look at Luigi in this movie and he's having an absolute ball. He is yeah. loving it.
1: <laughs> so, it's weird that Like, when you look at him there, and then you realize, like, he's John Leguizamo. He's huge. Um, His, God, what was it called? Was it Latino history for...
0: Uh, I'm blanking on that, yeah. Oh,
1: Latin history for... Oh, so, you you know, you look at John Leguizamo, who's just killing it out there with uh, Latin history for morons, which is on Netflix and is spectacular. And then you realize, like... He got his start as Luigi Mario in Super <laughs> Mario Brothers. Like, way to go, man! This could have destroyed you, and it didn't. So proud of you! Like, proud of you, John Leguizamo.
0: This could have destroyed a lot of people's careers, and it didn't. Yeah, I mean,
1: nothing could destroy Bob Hoskins. He's unstoppable. I mean, he's gone now, but
0: yeah, um, I mean, he we, he left us too soon, and yes. as did uh, Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Like Dennis Hopper, like right after this, went down to do Speed and got even bigger. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so this movie launched careers.
0: It really right, so did. Well. It launched careers and also ended them because uh, we don't really hear much of the two directors anymore. I know um, Annabelle Jankel just released a, n- a new film, but that's like the first time I've heard, uh, I've heard from her since this movie. So, Jesus. Yeah. But uh, there, there again, those, uh, her and uh, her co-director Rocky Morton, you know, they're like the, the two co-creators of Max Headroom. And so yeah. Nintendo so, tapped them to make a movie about Super Mario Brothers. And it's like, uh, I get what you were going for and I get the idea and it kind of works. But, like, you want the Max Headroom people to make a movie about Mario? Uh, okay, I guess.
1: <laughs> the 90s were a fucking weird-ass time. and then, The early 90s were insane.
0: Uh, l- let me just continue to tease this out, though, because, like, Okay, so then, to make the world of Dino Hatton, they hired uh, the production designer from Blade Runner. So every time someone says, this movie kind of looks like Blade Runner, it's because the same guy produced Blade Runner. <laughs> Literally <laughs> produced Blade Runner. And then the dinosaur stuff is produced by Patrick Totopoulos, who went on to do the dinosaur stuff in, like, the Godzilla movie. Like, the the Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie. Oh, my God. This, See it? Like, at the same time yeah, as, gonna... as the fucking Jurassic Park. Like... Th- I'm I'm losing my mind right now because like 1993 was this weird confluence of pop culture shit that just revolved around dinosaurs for absolutely no reason.
1: Yeah, it's just like, you know what? It's dinosaurs I now. I don't get it. That's what we're doing. <laughs> when did the show Dinosaurs come out?
0: Like r- immediately before this, I want to say. Like 1990
1: 1991. Yeah. Well, I can do whatever I want cuz I'm a dinosaur. I feel like that is King Koopa's or President Koopa, or whatever he's calling himself, mm-hmm. dictator for life. He can do whatever he wants because he's a dinosaur.
0: You know, you keep you keep saying this to me, and I know it's supposed to mean something.
1: Oh, it means, but something. I
0: don't know what.
1: Your therapist will access it someday.
0: <laughs> do you have mommy issues, Joseph? No, not the mama.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good lord.
1: So yeah, in the early '90s, we just decided, like, fuck it, we're into dinosaurs now. It's just like our shit. Like
0: between dinosaurs and Jurassic Park and Super Mario Brothers and Cadillacs and dinosaurs and oh God. Uh, the Flintstones movie. What were we thinking?
1: Well, we we'll, we're actually going to talk about the Flintstones movie briefly once we get into this uh, the this soundtrack. So yeah, we have to Let g- me just
0: just jump straight into it. I'm sorry, Libby. Go. Yes. For it. Well,
1: let me just spell out briefly what Super Mario Brothers the movie is about. <laughs> Good luck. It is about Mario Mario and his brother Luigi Mario, his adopted brother, because Bob Hoskins is British and John Leguizamo is Colombian, and they are supposed to be Italian plumbers living in Brooklyn. And that's one of those great 90s punchlines, like, Brooklyn, it's not Manhattan. (laughs) It might be dangerous, we don't know. There's a lot of bricks there. It's it's funny to see it as such a blue-collar neighborhood. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's just not anymore. Uh, my uh, literary agent got priced out of Brooklyn and had to move back to Manhattan.
0: Oh God!
1: Manhattan is cheaper than Brooklyn right now, and not that's insane. Like a weird part of Manhattan, like the Upper West Side. Wow, of Manhattan is cheaper than than places in Brooklyn. So this is old school '90s Brooklyn. Mm. This is Spike Lee Brooklyn.
0: We're like New York, am I right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bagels and Italians. I don't know. So they meet Princess Daisy, who she we don't know she's a princess. We find out later. She is an archaeology student, and she has discovered, like, this weird pathway. Long story short, she gets taken through this weird shifting rock into Dino Hatton. Because what happened was when the meteor hit that killed all the dinosaurs, uh, Homer Simpson himself... Tells us this. He does the opening narration, Dan Castellanella.
0: What if the dinosaurs weren't all destroyed? What if the impact of that meteorite created a parallel
1: dimension where the dinosaurs continue to thrive and evolve into intelligent, vicious, aggressive
0: beings, just like us? And hey, what if they found a way back?
1: The world that we live in, that you and I are podcasting in, living our lives, seeing Weird Al, Mm you know, Mm -hmm. living, loving, laughing. And then what's known as Dino Hatton, where there's some evolution, but they're dinosaur people. I don't know how that actually works. I didn't study genetics. But anyway, they're dino people.
0: You know, Libby, two paths diverged in a lonely forest. Or however that Robert Frost thing goes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Daisy... Is the only one that can merge the two worlds. She's the only one who's strong enough to put this piece of the meteor, which she wears around her neck, back into the meteor. It will fuse the two worlds, and the evil King Koopa will take over and de-evolve us all. Although, frankly, I for one welcome de-evolution. I don't know about you guys, but
0: I for one welcome our new dinosaur overlords.
1: Yeah, I'm good with it. It's fine.
0: I get to de-evolve be de-evolve me. I mean, uh, you know. You know, we kind of get the short end of the stick, too, because, like, if we get de-evolved, we get turned into chimpanzees. But if they get de-evolved, they get turned into, like, eight-foot-tall lizard people. That's, or goo. That's not fair.
1: So they have to save Princess Daisy and defeat the evil King Koopa. And there you have it. That's Super Mario Brothers. I feel like
0: it- the, the, the last thing we need to point out is, is cast stuff. Uh, Daisy is kidnapped by Iggy and Spike. Who are cousins of King Koopa, played by uh, the two of the most amazing character actors ever, uh, Richard Edson and Fisher Stevens. Yes, who are absolutely amazing in this movie.
1: <laughs> they steal the show. There's so much scenery chewing between all of them, mm-hmm. but they're just fucking delightful. Although I want to give a shout out to uh, Mojo Nixon, who plays Toad. Um why? <laughs> I know it's amazing. It's just like, sure, this like weird psychobilly uh kind of punk guy, let's get him to play Toad. I mean he has a song called Debbie Gibson Is Pregnant with My Two Headed Love Child. And they're like, Yes, <laughs> that guy
0: and, and he
1: should play Toad in the Super Mario Brothers movie. He has a weird haircut
0: they so they they took this little this little guy who's like the per this personal servant to pr- princess peach with like a mushroom hat and like a vest and tiny little shorts and he talks like this and they made him into basically what it, he referred to himself as third rate tom waits for half the price
1: <laughs> what it's yeah it's it's everything about this film is baffling
0: but that's what makes it endearing Yes, but you can't. Yes, you can't forever. not point it out. You know, <laughs> I I love how absolutely insane everything we're going to say tonight is.
1: I know, and it sounds like drunk history. Yeah, or that we're recalling, like playing Super Mario Brothers while on drugs.
0: <laughs>
1: but everything we tell you tonight is honest to God true about this film.
0: <laughs> it is one hundred percent real. This movie.
1: It's almost to the point, the soundtrack on this is really, really good, we're going to get to that momentarily, but it's almost overshadowed by how just fucking banana pants this movie is. You know what this movie needs, Joe? What's that? A giant mechanical spider.
0: Oh, man, wouldn't that be great?
1: (laughs) John Peters, where were you when we needed you? (sighs) So let's dive in.
0: Where do you want to start tonight? Because I feel like our usual trick of following the plot and then discussing the songs along the way isn't going to work with this one.
1: No, nothing is going to work. You just have to commit to the insanity tonight, people. We're going to go by track listing. Hell yeah. And the track listing is all over the place, um, which means we open with the album's uh, single. Yes. Which is Roxette's Almost Unreal. Let's go to a good clip. I love what you do. a fun fact about this song. Okay. Is that it was originally recorded for another movie that came out in 1993 that is a fucking classic that everybody loves and that is Hocus Pocus. What? And,
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I kind of get it though. Like,
1: well cuz there's the line you uh I love when you do that hocus pocus to me and that right, always yeah. confused me like it's cuz it wasn't written for this.
0: Right, right.
1: So, Roxette was contacted about composing Almost Unreal for Hocus Pocus. They had already done the backing track, and they were all set, and Disney was like, oh, you know what? And Vogue is going to do the theme for Hocus Pocus. So they transferred it to to the Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm -hmm. They decided to allow them to use it. They were like, "Mm, I don't know. But they were both fans of Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper, because who isn't?
0: Really, yeah. So
1: they re-recorded the lyrics, which I guess had more references to the film Hocus Pocus, leaving only uh, that that line, I love and you do that Hocus Pocus to me. Mm-hmm. So they said they actually don't love this song. They kind of hate it. Um, they have said that uh, if you wanted to make a parody of Roxette, it would sound like this song.
0: It it's a I mean, it does sound like a rock set song. Like even if you don't know this song, this sounds familiar to me, you know?
1: Yeah. It sounds a little bit like Yeah, it's basically if you smashed up Joyride and it must have been love, you get almost unreal. Now <laughs> I fucking love this song so hard. I I Oh my god, this song makes me so happy. It's beautiful, it's just it's passionate, and it reminds me of a guy I dated in my freshman year of college. Like, whenever I hear it, I think of him, and I just, I love that. I love when he did that hocus pocus to me. Mm. So, just love this song. I think I put it on a mix for him because I'm amazing.
0: Of course, why wouldn't yes? You?
1: <laughs> it's so good.
0: It really is. I, I, do- I can't. I can't uh, argue. Against this song, The only thing that I, I, I think is, is strange is that this song plays over the end credits of the film when the Super Marvelous like, title card comes up and then fades yes. to black. The first credit in the film is Almost Unreal by Roxette.
1: Yes. Which is amazing. And, and this one did get a music video that is fucking crazy. It's insane, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Nick Pickard, is the uh, card, Pat- plays a video game. Where he watches parts of the films, and he can like change, uh, <laughs> change their costumes.
0: Now you know, it's very weird. That's that's strange because like this is a Super Mario Brothers movie, and that kind of technology really wasn't available on the Nintendo at the time. So he must have been playing like a Sega CD game or something, which yeah. is which is just anathema. Like, if you're playing a Mario game on Sega CD, fuck off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, no. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad this wasn't... Obviously, this is supposed to be between uh, Daisy and Luigi, because that's the whole love story. Right. It kind of falls flat on that angle, because you kind of never believe they're in love, because they spend most of the film yelling Luigi and Daisy back and forth at each other. And you should cut it a clip of... Because they do it, like, three or four times.
0: Daisy! Luigi? Daisy! It's, it's worse than Jack and Rose in Titanic. it really is.
1: Yeah, it's pretty obnoxious. Gosh. But this song this is this is the big the big hit. This... I just remember listening to this and falling in love.
0: And that that also like is one of the few things that the Mario Games takes from this movie is that you know afterwards uh, Daisy and Luigi become a pair become an item because it's Mario the... and Peach and then Daisy's still hanging around, Luigi's still hanging around. Let's let's pair up Daisy and Luigi.
1: So essentially, this film created that union.
0: This, this film is is if you ha, if are fucking canon people, if you're, you know, once your pairing is Luigi and Daisy, you get this movie to thank for it.
1: Yeah, so tell tell me a fun fact about Daisy.
0: So uh, Daisy is also like taken from the Mario lore at at the time of this movie's release, because uh, Daisy comes from the Game Boy game Super Mario Land from nineteen eighty nine.
1: So, although, when I saw this, I didn't know that because I didn't have Super Mario Land because only kids whose parents loved them got them Game Boys. Oops. So, I'm sh- I had a Game Boy later. Um, I don't think I had it when this movie came out.
0: But also, in that game, you could not play as Luigi. So, it was only Mario and Daisy. So, this movie really did invent the Daisy-Luigi pairing.
1: Yeah, that's that's a fun fact. Yeah. So, I want to jump ahead. Okay. Because the next two songs we have... In, uh, in order as they appear on the soundtrack, go into our under the covers series, and the first one is the Divinals mm-hmm. uh, covering Roxy Music's "Love Is the Drug." So let's uh, let's hear a clip of that. Oh.
0: Catch that buzz, love is the drug I'm thinking of. Can't just say love is the drug.
1: again, one of the things I love about the Under the Cover series is that this was the first time I had heard Love is the Drug. And so to later find out that Roxy Music did it was amazing, because Roxy Music is great. I still have a real soft spot for the Divinals version. It was my first. And this plays in the Boom Boom Room.
0: (laughs) Boom Boom Lounge? Like the Boom Boom Lounge, yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is a nightclub... Joe, would you like to explain why they're in a nightclub <laughs> right. in the Super Mario Brothers universe?
0: So the big MacGuffin in the film is like the, Chris, the, uh, the meteor shard that Daisy has around her neck. And at one point, you know, Mario and Luigi snag it as she's being taken into Dino Hatton. And they lose it, but it's stolen by an old lady who is, it's then stolen by this bouncer named Big Bertha. Who in the video games is actually a giant fish that tries to eat you. And in this movie, it's a large black woman who is a bouncer at a nightclub.
1: Yes, but she's wearing the coolest dress
0: ever. It's like a red, spiky dress, and she's wearing like rocket boots, and she's kind of amazing. <laughs> but she's the bouncer at this nightclub and Mario and Luigi are at the nightclub to retrieve the, the crystal from her so that they can then go, go and save Daisy.
1: Yes. And this is what's playing when they walk in. I will say this about this, the film, the design again is a really cool. It's that Blade Runner design. The costumes are very strange for the men, but the women's dresses are spectacular Again, her and when we say spiked, we mean like four inch rubber spikes coming off of it.
0: Yeah, like it's it, it's like they played the video games once and said, "Okay, spikes are everywhere. Let's put spikes literally everywhere."
1: Yeah, and it has this weird sort of fetishy quality yeah, that you see yeah. sort of coming into that industrial look. It's still got that neon color of. The '80s, the late '80s nightclub scene, but we're heading into the crow. Yeah, so it's that's, this weird interim.
0: That's a good way to put it. I hadn't thought about that.
1: Yeah, and uh, Daisy wears this beautiful, sort of gauzy dress that has all these uh, amethysts, like cut amethysts along the neckline, and then Lena, who's played by Fiona Shaw, uh, has all sorts of their... Very couture, but they there is a they're very very well cut, very slim, very tightly cut. Not quite dominatrixy, but a little bit. And actually, the outfit she wears when she comes into the nightclub and gets the rock mm-hmm. has the patent leather boots. There's a lot of like leather and vinyl, so the costumes in this are are spot on. But um, so we get we get love is the drug, and then we get. Or sorry, I take that back. Good Love is the Drug is appears as track two. What is playing when they walk in is a cover of Was Not Was, Walk the Dinosaur, performed by, wait for it, George Clinton.
0: <laughs> George Clinton and the Goombas, yes. specifically. The sky was nice. I the I watched my
1: thing ever and i know george clinton was probably like hard up for cash at this point but walk the dinosaur is a really dumb song it's a stupid novelty song
0: it yeah (laughs) okay so let me let me couch it by saying this okay love is the drug is a song that uh under maybe any other circumstance i might appreciate but i'm just not into right now at this point in my life but then, walk the, out, buddy. but then Walk the Dinosaur is so absolutely, unrepentantly stupid, I have to love it.
1: This version, because I love George Clinton's voice, and, th- and it takes a little bit. There's the, they s- use the word Goomba. A lot. Yeah, like they swap that out. Uh, it it,
0: go- so it goes, I think it goes Goom Goomb, Laka 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 Laka. Goom Goomb, yeah. Laka Laka Goomba.
1: Yeah. Which I like that they sort of like tweaked it for this movie. I'm surprised that this didn't get a single, since this it's the one that's tied to the film.
0: But it did get a music video, because of course they knew what they had. Yes. <laughs> and it so, really is just like George Clinton's Walk of the Dinosaur, the video. It's as George Clintony as you could possibly expect.
1: So the thing with this stupid song is that it was hard for me to believe that this was... A song that was a song that it wasn't written for the Super Mario Brothers movie because it's such a ridiculous dumb song.
0: Yeah, it's like it's this so stupid and so specific. You just kind of assume, oh, this is obviously for the movie. No, it's not.
1: Yes, it was released in 1987. Yeah, so it isn't even that old when it comes out, and later, this would be used a year later. The original by Was Not Was, would appear in the 1994 film The Flintstones.
0: That's amazing.
1: (laughs) So in two years, we had two versions of this Mm -hmm. playing at your local theater.
0: And now, you know, this wasn't even the first time I had ever encountered this song before. Oh. Because they used this song at Walt Disney World, and they still, to this day, use this song at Walt Disney World. Jesus Christ. There if you if you've ever stayed at Disney World if around the Magic Kingdom area hotels, they have you know there's like this big, you know, Seven Seas Lagoon, Bay Lake. They have a water parade that they do every single night. That's just it's a bunch of like floats with lights and stuff and they do a light show and it's very fun and cute. But there's a part of the light show that has nothing but like dinosaur images on it and they play Walk of the Dinosaur at that point in the parade. <sighs> And they've I'm and already they've,
1: exhausted, and, and they've
0: done it like as far as I know, as far as I know, ever since like the early '90s, and they still do it to this day.
1: <laughs> Christ, I ca- I do like this version because it's just it's dumb and goofy. Mm-hmm. The dance they ca- sort of they walk the dinosaur, I guess. There's like a group dance that they do. They pan over, yeah, uh, the dance floor. It's not any dumber than line dancing, so I don't want to hear it. Right? It's not any dumber than the Macarena. It never quite. Picked up though, like people weren't like walking the dinosaur. That wasn't that didn't become a thing.
0: That's probably for the best though. Like really, because it's it's basically like a dinosaur version of the Thriller dance, sort of. Yeah, people throw up their arms like they're dinosaurs, and it kind of looks like Thriller.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It was a hit. It was a top. It was a number seven in nineteen eighty nine on the U.S. charts. But I mean, when is the last time you heard this? I do know a couple people. Who dance like velociraptors?
0: <laughs> of course they do. So,
1: so I guess we have uh, was not was to thank for that.
0: Yeah, I guess I, I guess so. Yeah, Th- they do so, play this periodically on the radio, but very rarely.
1: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you. There's one more song played in the nightclub.
0: Yes, this song is. I got my notes here. This is I Would Stop the World by Charles and Eddie. Let's go to a clip. is very much not my kind of music, but I really really enjoy this song. It's just very smooth and very mellow and I can get down to this.
1: Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's just like great slow jam. And for years though, um cuz the I believe the soundtrack was out of print. And so I had it on tape and for some reason I could just not find the soundtrack. i um, on CD. Mm-hmm. And I love this song. I really do. And a friend of mine finally like dug it up somewhere like in the deep bowels of Limewire or Kazaa or whatever. But he managed to to find this song for me. So I always think of him when I hear this. I did lobby to have this played at my wedding. It did not make the cut.
0: Why not?
1: I don't know. <laughs> but in this it this one's nice because They, this is when uh, Mario and Big Bertha are slow dancing and he's trying to get the rock and it's this really sweet scene, but then when he gets the rock, he leaves her and she's like standing on the dance floor, like looking around. I'm like, oh, poor Big Bertha. She's just trying to love.
0: All she she wants is a man she can beat up.
1: Well, yeah, but she does when she sees that uh, the police are after them. She does get them the Thwomp Stompers. Yes. To get them out. Can you talk about Thwomp Stompers?
0: So, the Thwomp Stompers are the movie's version of the the Thwomps from, I believe it's Mario Brothers 3. It's just these giant blocks with angry faces on them that come down and try to stomp you when you go anywhere near them. And in this movie, they are portrayed as rocket boots, basically. Sure. (laughs) Why not? Of course. Yeah.
1: Now. It's weird because this movie covers, I believe, does it? It doesn't cover up to Super Mario World. No, it does. No, it, we have Yoshi.
0: Yeah, yeah. This movie basically is like the super, the weird alternate universe version of Super Mario World because the whole thing, the whole Dino Hatton thing, is taken from uh, Mario World's like Dinosaur Land motif. So yes, there's a, a but, lot of Mario World, but like a lot of the things in this movie are so like. Thir- it's it's like a game of telephone where you to- they told the producers of the, all the stuff in Mario Brothers and then the producers told the writers and then the writers told the director and it just isn't what it's supposed to be but, but here it is
1: yeah there's there's the uh snifflets yeah from Mario 2
0: kind of yeah
1: um appear there's there's a lot of elements from some of the others like there, I have so many questions. Like, why not use Rock Mario or Tanuki Suit, or you know, there's a lot. Like, they st- obviously pull from all of them.
0: Like, in st- like so, one of the things that's like endemic to like the Mario franchise is fireballs. There are fireballs everywhere. So, of course, all of the police have flamethrowers.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and it's it is it's weird translations of what we think of as Mario.
0: And like very yeah, and I mean we could keep going down examples like uh, the bullet bills are the cartridges that you that you use to make the rocket boots jump. Really? Yeah.
1: I didn't pick up on that.
0: Like one one of the few thing one of the few items in the movie that is basically how it is in the games is the babam, mm-hmm. and it's the most adorable little thing because it's just like it a little wind is. up toy bomb <laughs> that everybody's but- afraid of.
1: And that's from Mario 3. The wind-up, isn't it?
0: I think, yeah, I think it is, yeah. So. Because I know, I know there are bombs in 2, but they don't move, they don't walk.
1: Yeah, I believe the wind-up is from, from Mario 3. Yeah. So. Um, Good idea. Which I've never beaten. I don't think anyone has ever beaten Mario 3, and if you say you have, you're a liar.
0: My dad still plays that game to this day, so I don't think he's ever beaten it.
1: Nobody has. That game's impossible. Which again, that has like the coolest visuals because you got the airships and you've got the yeah. Uh, like why not? Oh. Why not tap that? But you also wanted to have Yoshi mm-hmm.
0: and, and Yoshi is a very like weird in, uh, inclusion in this in this movie
1: because he yes, basically
0: doesn't do anything.
1: <laughs> he's just there. He does. You do see his his uh, tongue grabbing action
0: because
1: mm-hmm. he wrestles Lena away when she's trying to stab Daisy. Yeah. So he kind of pulls her.
0: But if it were really Yoshi, Yoshi would have just swallowed her whole.
1: Exactly. That's out a fireball, or be, been able to fly.
0: But true to form, uh, just like in Mario World, where you where you sometimes have to uh, ditch Yoshi to jump to a higher platform and l- send him to his doom. Uh, Daisy basically uses Yoshi as bait for Lena to get away, and Lena fucking stabs Yoshi in the neck, and it's very sad.
1: <laughs> I know. I always felt really bad about that. I love Yoshi in that. If if we ever get around to making dinosaurs as Jurassic World Two has promised we will, mm-hmm. because we don't fucking learn. I I will be the first to get a Yoshi.
0: I would love a Yoshi.
1: I'd pet it, I'd love it. Just cuddle it. That let it sleep at the end of my bed.
0: <laughs> that apparently also was like the most expensive prop in the movie was that Yoshi puppet.
1: It looks really good. It's
0: a very good puppet. It apparently cost half a million dollars.
1: Which means it's out there somewhere because that's real.
0: Yeah, because you wouldn't destroy a thing like that.
1: Yoshi is real and he believes in
0: you. And remember, that predates Jurassic Park and it it still looks good.
1: Yeah. So somewhere, somebody has that in a vault or in a planet Hollywood somewhere. Somewhere there is a Yoshi.
0: If you know Bruce Willis or Sylvester Stallone and can ask them which planet Hollywood that's in, please let us know.
1: We will go. We will We will promise right now. We will take a OST party road trip to that planet Hollywood and we will pet that Yoshi.
0: Heck yeah, we will. All right. That's an OST guarantee. <laughs> I have a, a correction to make. The bob bombs were first introduced in Mario Brothers 2.
1: Okay. So but did they walk?
0: They must have.
1: <laughs> okay, because I remember you could pull them out of the ground.
0: Yeah, you could just pull regular bombs out of the ground, but uh, at some point they must have walked, or else why would you know why would they have done it? Anyway, yeah. let, let's let's move on. So. please, I'm begging you, let's move on.
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, it just gets worse from here on out. <laughs> the when you think of this, when it was released on cassette. All the good stuff was on the A side, and the B side is a weird mess. Much like this movie. It, it, its intentions were good. Just makes no sense.
0: Yeah, like, and no, I'm not even going to defend it. Like, it's just a weird no. mess.
1: So, um, up next, we have uh, I Want You by a uh, noted uh, racist and 9 11 coward. <laughs> uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Wahlberg aka Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch this song sucks
0: noted hamburger <laughs> enthusiast Marky Mark oh Wahlberg just so, sucks
1: <laughs> I've never been but I wouldn't go because he's a fucking racist So, and he failed to stop 9-11 he told us he could have stopped 9-11 and he just decided not to so.
0: but you know he could have
1: yeah people fucking died Mark <laughs> I do like the Yacht Rock style vocals in the background. It's far more interesting than anything he's doing.
0: Yeah, this went in one ear and out the other.
1: Yeah, it just blows. This song does not, as far as either of us could tell, appear in the film.
0: No, I could not place it for the life of me.
1: That being said, this was like the last song that the Funky Bunch recorded.
0: This oh. movie broke
1: them up. This song <laughs> broke them. Wow. I say we're better off for it.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Like what so, what more what more did the funky bunch have to give us really?
1: Yeah. They gave us good vibrations, which isn't even that good of a song anyway. Really yeah. the funky bunch just suck. And Marky
0: Mark. Sucks. Oh. oh, come on. Come on. Oh. Feel it, Libby, come on.
1: No. <laughs> I will not, sir. I will not.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Thank you. In fact, okay, so. uh,
0: Okay, well, let's go ahead and talk about the next two tracks in tandem because, as we discovered today, I can't tell one from the other.
1: (laughs) So let's play them side by side. So here's uh, where are you going?
0: And this is Speed of Light. Now, one of these songs is by Joe Satriani, the other is by Extreme. Can you tell which is which? I feel like I just started hosting Blue's Clues all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. (laughs) There's a scene where Mario and Luigi have split up. He's gone to look for Daisy. Mario has gone to find the other kidnapped girls who Iggy and Spike have kidnapped in trying to get Daisy. Now, Iggy and Spike are not very bright.
0: So there are a lot of girls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they're all again like, hey, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm Italian. Look at me, I work in a tanning salon. Like, I'm freezing my of nips off
0: in here." Yeah, I'm I don't think they said that. Dress. <laughs> <laughs> Including Mario's girlfriend, which is a character that's only ever appeared in this movie. Like, it's she's yes. not uh, Mario game canon at all.
1: Yes, and that's Daniela. Yes, and they, because they're plumbers, they have cut off the heating system and frozen all the pipes. So Mario and the girls take a mattress, and they slide down the pipes, and it is to what we discovered was Joe Satriani's speed of light. Yes. But we weren't sure at first. We both had to go back and watch the scene a second time.
0: And my only proof that it's speed of light is I don't hear Gary Sharon warbling in the background, so it must not be extreme.
1: Yes. So I actually, I had, I guess... I don't. I, it wasn't a book on tape, I don't think. But I had I had a novelization of this, and it must have come with a poster because I had a poster of them like in this ice cave, like on a mattress, like being chased by Goombas, and it was in three D, motherfuckers. Whoa. Yeah, it's like they were coming at you. That's and awesome. they had, like Koopa's faces in the background. I forget who it was, but somebody posted an image of that a couple of weeks back, so. I will find that, and I will will put that in on the OST party That
0: reminds me, like, there are other posters produced for this movie from, like, around the world. And, like, I think it was the Thai poster or the Chinese poster or something that's just absolutely bug nuts insane. And I think that might have been that image. Where there's, like, a weird, like, the weird, like, uh, de-evolved Koopa is, like, chasing after them. And he's got that really creepy dinosaur face
1: yeah something like that something
0: like that yeah well i'll that put that in the in show notes memory. too because good yes. lord is that a creepy image
1: yes that um that hung in my my childhood bedroom
0: <laughs> So that's cool i
1: actually want to take this moment to talk about iggy and spike because we have not yet we haven't really even discussed king koopa so right. which would you like to discuss first
0: well, we haven't really... Yeah, we haven't really even talked about how Dennis Hopper plays King Koopa. And we've talked about Inky and Spike a little bit, but let's let's go ahead and discuss King Koopa because there's some weirdness going on here. Oh, yeah. First of all, like the, the famous line from Dennis Hopper about playing King Koopa is that at one point his son had, had seen the movie and then went to his dad and said, Dad, why did you do this movie? And Dennis Hopper is supposed to have said, uh, I did that movie so you could have shoes. And his kid, his kid replied, Dad, I don't need shoes that badly. Ouch. Oh. <laughs> I like to imagine his kid Ouch. was like in college when he said this. Yeah. <laughs> like two adults, like man to man, like, Dad, come on. Really? <laughs> really? Ugh. That's
1: really what you did?
0: But uh, Koopa in this film is a very interesting character because something about him seems very familiar.
1: Really? Yeah, like how?
0: Let's let's run down what we know about King Koopa. So King Koopa is a germaphobe. He's an industrialist. He is the king of Dinohattan, and he has a weird blonde haircut. Does that sound familiar to you?
1: Yeah, I mean he puts his name on all his buildings. There's uh, the currency is Koopa coins.
0: Mm-hmm. I just I
1: can't put my tiny hands on it.
0: Your tiny dinosaur hands can't just can't do it. It's
1: yeah, it's, it's familiar.
0: And then, really, and, I mean, and, the then thing and is and okay. then, at the end of the film, at the end of the film, when he, they actually merge like the dimensions, and he shows up in New York, and he says, "Ah, oh, New York, my city."
1: Hmm. hmm. Interesting. I mean, can you really blame him? He's just trying to make Dino Hatton great again.
0: Dino Hatton was already great, Libby. So you know, <laughs> love it or leave it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs>
1: But I. The, God, what,
0: what happens? A piece what is shit? I know. No,
1: Koopa! Well, you just said you were wrong. You're an evil, egg sucking son of a snake. Did I lie? But the thing with Iggy and Spike. Iggy and Spike exist in a weird canon here. I'll let you explain it.
0: Okay, so Iggy and Spike in this movie are established as being Koopa's cousins.
1: And they're kind of his henchmen, and yeah. they're really tacky and horrible
0: really incompetent boobs basically (laughs) um but they do kind of they do exist in the mario video game universe iggy and spike were both originally introduced in mario brothers 3 iggy was one of the koopa kids the seven koopa kids who run each individual world and you have to fight each one on your way to, to fight bowser King Koopa. And
1: they're all named for pop stars.
0: Yes, I just learned this, and this is fascinating.
1: <laughs> He's named for Iggy Pop. Of course. Who is on the soundtrack to Repo Man.
0: Then you've got Lemmy Koopa, who's named after Lemmy Kilmister from Motorhead. You've got Larry Koopa, who supposedly is named after Larry Mullen Jr. from U2. Cool. Which is an odd poll, but okay. Morton Koopa is named after Morton Downey Jr., who's not a musician. Wendy O. Koopa is named after Wendy O. Williams, which, again, is fantastic. <laughs> Roy Koopa is named after Roy Orbison, and he even has, like, the Roy Orbison sunglasses on.
1: Yes, which I love.
0: And then finally, Ludwig von Koopa is, of course, named after Ludwig von Beethoven. And he also has the Beethoven hair kind of thing going on, which... This, it's all just a great piece of design work. God bless yeah. Nintendo.
1: So, And they appear throughout the Super Mario Bros. cartoon.
0: Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, they originally, like, I, like we said, were introduced as, as Koopa's children until the introduction of Bowser Jr. in Super Mario World 2, where the Koopa kids were then demoted to just being a bunch of random kids that hang around King Koopa.
1: That also oddly look like him. I'm just surprised they didn't make them cousins the way they did uh, in this movie. Now, Spike right. is not a Koopa kid.
0: No, Spike is just another random henchman from the games. He's the one in Mario 3 who vomits up these spike balls and then throws them at you. Which does not happen in the movie, thank God. Um, yeah,
1: that would be really hard to do.
0: Yeah, you would just, You would really need some kind of special effect for that. And, yes.
1: Uh, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting about them, because these guys are just fucking idiots. Absolutely. And Koopa has the power of evolution at his fingertips he can either de-evolve someone into a Goomba which does not look like the Goomba in the game it's this weird tall dinosaur faced thing but with like a tiny head and giant shoulders and a jacket and that's what he does with Toad as he turns him into a Goomba or he can sort of evolve them to a higher plane which he does with Iggy and Spike both of you Go to the desert. Excuse me, excuse me. That hardly seems logical, does it? Perhaps we should stay and formulate our own strategy. However, once they evolve, they began to want for Koopa's downfall, which speaks a lot to the value of education in fighting fascism.
0: It absolutely does, because as soon as they got a single you know, thought into their head, oh, right, Koopa's the villain here. He's the one that we should be opposing.
1: Which makes me think that at some point they were de-evolved because they tell Daisy, we've always been supporters of your father. But they were Koopa's cousins. So were they like leaders of some underground resistance? There's so much we don't know.
0: You know, it's it's probably easy to say that when when you're defecting to the other side.
1: <laughs> I guess. But at the end, there is an end credits, like a, a post-credits sequence where they pitch the Super Koopa Cousins movie. We could have learned so much. I know. We could have had it all.
0: That was a scene, by the way, that I didn't get to see until I was well into college. Because like I said, my dad was very angry with me about having to see this movie, and we stormed off as soon as the credits started. (laughs)
1: God. So you didn't even get to hear a second round of Walk the Dinosaur? Nope. All
0: right. Not at all. (laughs) Um, But that kind of leads us into... um, the second half of this album, the next two songs you hear appear as Mario and Luigi are first introduced to the magnificent fantasia that is Dino Hatton. And as they come through the portal and they break onto the street, uh, the song we hear is Queen's "Tie Your Mother Down," which the first thing you hear is that unmistakable Brian May guitar solo. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go to a clip. Tie
1: your mother down, tie your mother down. All right. Tie your mother down, yeah, yeah. tie your mother down
0: Or you ain't no I don't know how you feel about this song, but I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoy it's it. good.
1: It it's good because obviously it's
0: good. It's, queen, so it's yeah. queen. I did find a great quote about this song from Freddie Mercury. Uh, where they were asking him to kind of explain Tie Your Mother Down, and he basically just said, Yeah, that's a song that Brian May wrote. I don't know why. And that's all he said. Yeah. And then Brian May had to explain, like, you know, the thought process, and, you know, I came up with this riff, and then I just sort of spat out Tie Your Mother Down one day, and the song just kind of arose from there. As, sure, Brian. Sure. As, as, songs, as songs tend to do. It, yeah. <laughs> sure, but um, there's a really great cover of this. Uh, from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony when Queen was inducted, where um, the Foo Fighters play it with Brian May, and it's absolutely fantastic. Really? Yes.
1: I will have to look that up. We'll get that in the show notes.
0: hmm yeah. And then, uh, quickly following that song, you we hear uh, Megadeth's Breakpoint, which I'm not going to put in here, mostly because... Uh, I feel like I might be the only Megadeth fan even associated with this show, and look, Breakpoint is nobody's favorite Megadeth song. No, that's just how it is.
1: It's no.
0: It's it's just a Megadeth song. Let's move on.
1: Yeah, it's yeah.
0: Mm. The Breakpoint also appears. I'll just. This is my last point on this. Also appears on Megadeth's album called Hidden Treasures, which is a, an album of, a compilation album of all of their movie soundtrack songs. Really? Yes. What so, else is on there? They covered Alice Cooper's uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy for the West Craven movie Shocker. Uh, they did a song for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. They did a song for um, Last Action Hero. And they <laughs> did a song for, um, oh, what was that movie? Uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Okay. Along with a couple other things, and you know, it's basically a B sides album, but it's it's almost exclusively soundtrack cuts. So I feel like that's kind of neat. It's kind of perfectly suited for this show. But again, eh, let's move on.
1: (laughs) All right, then actually, uh, we've got one piece left, and that's uh, Cantaloupe Flip Fantasia by US Three. I have no idea where this appears in the movie.
0: I don't either. But I'm going to play this clip because when you hear it, you're going to go, oh, it's that song. Everybody knows that song. No one knows Mm -hmm. what it's called or who it's by. Yes. Here we go. Wait, Wait a minute. Groovy, groovy, jazzy, funky, pounce, bounce, dance as we dip in the melodic sea. Rhythm keeps flowing, it drips to MC. Sweet sugar pop, sugar pop, rocks and pop. You don't stop till the sweet beat drops. I shall improve as I stick and move. Vivid poems recited on top of the groove. Smooth. As the oh
1: my god, it is that song.
0: It is, yeah. Like it's, it's one of those songs that you just always kind of tend to hear in commercials and stuff.
1: This song uh, actually samples uh, John Hancock's Cantaloupe, which everybody knows, you know, very famous.
0: John Hancock. It's Herbie Hancock. That's that's the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, it's very short Really, only the A-side is good, but the A-side is so good.
0: Like, Tie Your Mother Down doesn't really need to be on this soundtrack at all. No. And I feel That's like... good. so good. I feel, it's, it's a good song, but I feel like the only reason it's here is because Queen was popular again thanks to Wayne's World.
1: Yes. That's probably very true.
0: And so they were like, hey, hey, we gotta get a Queen song in here. Uh, or else the the soundtrack won't sell. <laughs> so there you go.
1: Now, have we missed talking about anything in uh the film super mario brothers
0: well uh, i feel like we have there's so much there's too much uh i uh, just bits and pieces i guess i can talk about real quick like the fact that um so th- the koopa took the king of dino hatton and de-evolved him into this like fungus that just grows around the city and when he re-evolves he's played by lance hendrickson for exactly like Three seconds of screen time.
1: Yeah, he just says, like, he spits out gunk. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm back.
1: Love those plumbers. And it's just like, really? That's Hendrickson.
0: He got he got paid for this. You know what? Good for you, Lance. Yeah.
1: I'm wondering if there was more to it. And because this film was so... I mean, they were doing rewrites, like, on set. It was a nightmare. Yes. to shoot as we said well chronicled nightmare
0: yeah this this uh production had what was famously referred to as the rainbow script because so many different drafts were kind of stitched together that every draft had its own color so the script looked like a big rainbow book that they kept having to flip through
1: yes now i do want to make one other note there is a song that is not on the soundtrack what's that so it's frankie yankovic's somewhere my love
0: how could we have forgotten that oh my god (laughs)
1: And it is playing in the elevator, and Luigi decides to make the Goombas dance to it, <laughs> and it's... they do this multiple times. So, and it's just music, but everybody loves to dance.
0: Yeah, and then at the end of the film, to distract the other Goombas from uh, Mario and Luigi, Toad reappears with his uh, with his. Uh harmonica wrapped around his neck and he's playing the song to get the Goombas to dance again. <laughs> mm-hmm. So even even as as a Goomba, Toad is still, you know, helping save the day. I love that. He's a good dude. I love the touch that, like, ev- even as a Goomba, Toad is still one of the good guys.
1: Yeah, he brings daisy uh, steamed vegetables.
0: And he has that look on his, that happy look on his face. It's such <laughs> Yeah, a... like a
1: dog. So here's the thing about this movie. <gasps> okay. Is that... It's actually really enjoyable. It is not Super Mario Brothers as we know it. And I think that's why a lot of people initially recoiled. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it as just a weird film about some guys who go to a weird dinosaur city, it kind of works. I mean, it's a mess and it's, I mean, it's not brilliant.
0: There are brilliant touches in this film. Yes. For example... All the cars in Dino Hatton are electric. Why would they be electric? It's because all the dinosaurs are still around and none of them became fossil fuels.
1: I never got that. That's... Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) You see? Wow. There's, like, legitimately brilliant, like, design stuff in this movie. It's just all all wrapped in this, like, Blade Runner-esque hellscape nightmare of a movie.
1: And... And if it hadn't been tied to the Super Mario Brothers name, if people didn't go under this expectation, I think it probably would have done a lot better.
0: I think so, too. It would have become more of a cult classic, I think, than, than it is. And to yeah. be sure, it really is nowadays. Like People will fight you in the streets over this movie. But I think it'll be like... I think this would have like big Lebowski status today, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And it's fun. You know, there's a lot of... The, the patter is very jokey there's a lot of again there's a lot of jokes about somebody said well it's either like manhattan of the future or the bronx of today like there's a lot of this can't be manhattan
0: where is this place i don't know i ain't been to manhattan a couple of weeks must have been a bad couple of weeks
1: it's just it's goofy and it's weird but as i was watching it it was one of those where i wasn't cringing like oh my god this movie is so dumb i was like this movie i could see why i liked it then and it's pleasant enough now yeah so I, I will be one of those people that will fight you in the streets.
0: It's, it's one of those, like, quote unquote, bad movies that does actually get a bad rap.
1: Yeah. And there is a riff tracks for it. And I watched it and it was so mean spirited that I had to turn it mm. off. Like, guys, really?
0: I mean, there's a riff tracks for basically everything nowadays. So yeah, I, I'm not really surprised. Um, yeah,
1: it just I don't know. It's it kind of felt like it was punching down. So uh, what are your thoughts on this soundtrack? Does it work?
0: I don't know the more I think about it because, like, the songs on the first half of the album are definitely kind of of a piece and they all work together, but n- they don't really say Super Mario Brothers to me. Then again, mm-hmm. the movie doesn't really say Super Mario Brothers either.
1: Yeah, they work in, the, in a weird dystopian alternate timeline movie right. about two guys from Brooklyn who have to save a princess. Right.
0: Where, where, don't where, know Walk, if it's... where Walk the Dinosaur is like the fulcrum of the whole thing. Everything yeah. revolves around George Clinton, as it should.
1: Yes, um, I agree.
0: The second half, though, yeah, yeah, like you said, it's just kind of junk, mostly. Mm-hmm. And which, there again, kind of describes the movie perfectly. Like, it's kind of junk.
1: Yeah, there's good stuff in there.
0: Mm-hmm. But you have to go digging for it.
1: Yeah, like, you have to go to the second side to get to that uh, Joe Satriani piece. But I do, I do love the cover of Love is the Drug, and I can't believe that they ditched because I can't even think of the song from Hocus Pocus.
0: I know Bette Midler sings I put a spell on you. That's about it. Yeah.
1: But like the theme, the invoke theme.
0: I don't I didn't know there even was one.
1: Yeah. So, I feel like they really missed an opportunity there mm. because that song almost unreal would have become iconic.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: I love it. It's wasted here because it didn't chart. It didn't.
0: Yeah, and it's just kind of thrown away as a as a credit song. Do you think it would have worked better if it had appeared in the body of the film?
1: Yes, I would have replaced um, I Would Stop the World with Almost Unreal in in that scene.
0: I, I could see that, yeah. I could see that working. I, I, I feel like the only song that really does fit perfectly is Walk the Dinosaur.
1: It is, and it's dumb, but this is the only place where it really does work.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said,
1: I was surprised that, uh, that it, it wasn't written for this film because it's perfect
0: absolutely yeah and like we i feel like we should do uh the flintstones movie at some point because i know the b-52s are in there as, as yes. well the yes. bc-52s excuse me
1: yeah and we talked a little bit about that over on uh, discord and rhyme
0: mm, okay we'll what are at, we? well at some point we'll we'll get to the flintstones because we've been hanging around the 90s for too long and it's time yes, to go back
1: yes. all right so where are we going next
0: well, Libby, we are finally, finally, finally jumping back to the '80s. We are going to be discussing a rock and roll fable from 1984, "Streets of Fire."
1: That'll be fun. I've never seen it.
0: It's gonna be. A, it's gonna be great. I can. I, I can promise you that. Uh, our Our friend Rodney has been asking us to do this one for quite some time, and, and I can't wait to finally dig into it. So,
1: yes, I know my friend Heather loves it. So I know we've already got some people who will be uh, excited.
0: Oh, this is gonna be good. All right. Uh, so that's gonna do it for this week on the ost party if you've got any questions or comments uh, you can send those our way on twitter at ost party uh, or email those to us at ost gmail at gmail.com nobody has done that yet by the way as far as i know yeah that's fine yeah we're on twitter you know where to find us uh but if you don't libby where can they find you on the internet
1: You can find me at Libby Cudmore on Twitter and uh, at uh, Record Underscore Saturday on Instagram. You can also listen to me on the Shattered Shield podcast. Joe, where can they find you?
0: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat. And if you want to hear me talk about Christmas movies, uh, I do a Christmas movie podcast called Christmas Creeps. Uh, We're on Twitter at Christmas Creeps. You can go follow us and uh, we've got stuff coming up. Uh, I think soon we're going to be doing the Christmas episodes of Batman the animated series so that's going to be a lot of fun Ooh! so uh, jingle bells and Batman smells <laughs> uh, so for the OST party I'm Joseph Wade
1: and I'm Libby Cudmore
0: buy the ticket
1: take the ride do the Mario swing your
0: arms from side to side come on it's time to go do the Mario take one step and then again let's do the Mario Hold
1: Come on now, just like that.